Welcome to My Cousin Jane, a podcast about Jane Austen and her works, with your host, Lee Phelan. Everybody, welcome back to My Cousin Jane. Today, we're going to be looking at Persuasion, Chapter 2. And again, our approach is not a formal literary analysis, but, but more along the lines of a sort of deleted scene slash bonus features approach of Jane Austen's life and works. All right, so let's jump right in. So uh, at the start of, of Chapter 2, we are dealing with the problem of how to get Sir Walter out of debt. And they have a couple of different ideas. So first of all, Lady Russell, who we also didn't talk about last time, but she was introduced in chapter one, important friend of the family. She goes to Anne and presents the problem and says, hey, you probably have noticed your father's deeply in debt. What do you think we should do? What can we do to retrench? Or in other words, what can we do to fix your father's budget so he's not spending more than he takes in? And so Anne has very strong feelings about debt. And this kind of reveals a lot about her character. So we're going to listen to a clip Like I said last time, this clip comes from uh, Karen Savage's public domain audiobook version of Persuasion, courtesy of LibriVox.org. So let's take a listen to that and hear what Anne's feelings on debt. This was the principle on which Anne wanted her father to be proceeding, his friends to be urging him. She considered it as an act of indispensable duty to clear away the claims of creditors with all the expedition which the most comprehensive retrenchments could secure, and saw no dignity in anything short of it. She wanted it to be prescribed and felt as a duty. All right, so she comes up with this huge list of things to cut, all the expenses that she thinks are unnecessary, and wants all the focus to be on the, you know, how dishonorable it is to be so deeply in debt. I don't think her views would have been mirrored in most of the aristocracy at the time. Debt was a big problem, not just for Sir Walter, but in general for the landed gentry. So Sir Walter, when he gets this, well, actually, so she gives the list of recommendations to Lady Russell, who's like, whoa, we can't do all that. Your father will never go for it. And she kind of like, you know, trims it down a little to try to make it more palatable. But even this version doesn't fly with Sir Walter. Let's hear his opinion, which is going to become very important here in a second. What? Every comfort of life knocked off. Journeys, London, servants, horses, table, contractions and restrictions everywhere. To live no longer with the decencies even of a private gentleman. No, he would sooner quit Kellynch Hall at once than remain in it on such disgraceful terms. All right, quit Kellynch Hall. This becomes the inciting incident of the novel, if you will. So Mr. Shepard hears this and says, great idea, let's quit Kenneth Hall. Now what this means is we're going to move out. We think that Sir Walter, your best option is to move out of Kenneth Hall, which is kind of the seat of his family, so to speak, and rent it out to another family. And the terms we use for this, we don't say we're going to move out. We say we're going to quit it. We're going to quit Kenneth Hall. And we don't say rent because rents, uh, rents were the money that you brought in from leasing land to tenant farmers. It would be your rents. But this, what we're going to say, and they still use this term in the UK today, we're going to let Kenneth Hall. Essentially, we're going to let someone else live there. Um, but letting is used both how we use rent in the United States in modern language today. We're going to let our house and I'm going to let the house from someone else. So it's used both by the landlord and by the tenant to denote what we're doing with the property. 
Now, one of the things that are brought up uh, in the next chapter, Sir Walter kind of gets concerned about uh, what the tenant would be allowed to do. And Mr. Shepard assures him that there are, quote, established usages for the types of things that you can do when you are a tenant of a property. And this is actually still true today. So when we were living in the United Kingdom, we were going to let a house and we found this really pretty house. It was like an old manor house and it had been subdivided up into different uh, kind of townhouses. And we had five kids. And when we were talking to uh, the agent about it, he said, oh, one thing you should know is that the owner doesn't want anyone walking on the the lawn. And so I don't know if you've ever had children and if you can imagine having a you know big yard and saying, by the way, kids, you're not allowed to walk on the grass. We knew that wasn't going to fly. So we didn't rent that one. But it's just interesting that there are kind of still, especially with these manor houses, there are still these established usages, so to speak. Okay, so now we transition to the next part where Sir Walter is kind of being convinced sort of unbeknownst to him that, that everyone's just kind of moving in this direction. Yes, let's rent out your house. And so they're trying to decide where to go. And they talk about three options, London, Bath, or another house in the country. And one of the things that's interesting in Jane Austen novels in that time period is that uh, the use of the word town. So whenever people talk about town, like in the singular sense, they're almost always referring to London specifically. I have a house in town. That almost always means London. If they say the town or the town of Bath, for example, then they're referring to a specific place. It's kind of like how we would use the term president, right? So if you were to say, uh, you know, I'm talking to president so-and-so or the president of this, but if we say, yeah, I saw a conference today with the president, we're talking about the president of the United States, right? The one singular person. So that's how they use the term town uh, in this time period. So whenever we talk about going to town or a house in town or, you know, Elizabeth mentions how her father hates town, um, they're specifically talking about London. So when they're debating about this, Sir Walter at first thinks London would be the greatest option. And Elizabeth likes this idea too because of all the social opportunities. Uh, but Mr. Shepard, you know, who's kind of overseeing the financial aspects of this, he knows that moving to London would be a horrible idea because Sir Walter's rank is such that he's at the bottom of this kind of aristocracy that we talked about last time. But in order to maintain the appearance of social dignity and, you know, what he would imagine as being his due, be pretty expensive in London. Even back then, London was super expensive. Uh, and especially if you're trying to, like, spend your time with the, you know, the nobility, which is what he would be trying to do. And so Mr. Shepard really doesn't want London to be an option. Meanwhile, we have everyone kind of pulling for Bath, except for Anne, our protagonist, who mentions how much she doesn't like Bath. Now, this is an interesting parallel because Jane Austen also, at some point, had to leave her country home, move to Bath. And depending on uh, which sources you read, she either was indifferent to Bath or hated Bath. Uh, it's pretty interesting because the Jane Austen Historical Society, the Jane Austen Center, uh, is located in Bath, and they make a big deal about Bath as being Jane Austen's home. But she didn't, most people agree that Jane did not like Bath at all. Uh, she'd grown up in the country and had this kind of beautiful land and all the scenery, and she was not very flattering in the way she described Bath and its people and environs. So it's interesting that the protagonist in Persuasion, in contrast to the protagonist in uh, Northanger Abbey, who, which also takes place in Bath, and she actually really likes Bath, 
But here, Persuasion, which was written later, we find that Anne is really not looking forward to going to Bath. And Lady Russell thinks, you know, it's because of some things that happened to Anne. Her mother had passed away and she was a lonely schoolgirl at the time. They lived in Bath last time. And so she thinks it's kind of all in Anne's head that it'll be fine. But that's because Lady Russell's point of view is kind of colored by the fact that she likes the society of Bath and likes uh, kind of that hustle and bustle of the big city, so to speak. Now, the other option they talk about is another house in the country, which is what Anne's hoping for, so she doesn't have to move very far from the area that she likes. But Lady Russell points out that this would kind of be super embarrassing for Sir Walter. And it's kind of like if you had, imagine you lived in a neighborhood and you had this really fancy house, the best house in the block, and you know you lost your job. And so your only option was to move. And so you decide, I'm going to rent out my house and I'm going to go live in this little shack on the corner and I'm going to rent that while I rent my house out. It'd be kind of a come down, right? And so this is what Lady Russell is thinking that maybe this is not the option for your father. And so as you know, if you've read the book, we're going to end up in Bath. But the last thing I want to talk about is who they decide to bring with them. Because in this chapter, we're also introduced to Mrs. Clay, who is Mr. Shepard's daughter. Now, what's interesting about Mrs. Clay is as the daughter of a land agent, Mr. Mr. Shepard would not be considered at the time what we call a private gentleman because he has to work for his money, right? He's a tradesman, essentially. He's managing the estate of Sir Walter. And the term gentleman becomes very important. And we'll talk about this more in the next chapter. But the term gentleman, depending on who you talk to, at the time, meant some very specific things. And in general, what we'll say is that it means in Sir Walter's eyes and many much of the aristocracy, the term gentleman meant someone who owned land and did not have to work for his money, right? Now, I don't know, we're not, we're not told much about Mrs. Clay's husband, her, her former husband, but at this time, she is uh, presumably living with her father and she's got a couple of kids. And she is close friends with Elizabeth, the oldest daughter of Sir Walter. And Lady Russell does not think that this is a good idea for Mrs. Clay and Elizabeth to be friends. And it's kind of an interesting parallel because it's a lot like what's going on in Emma uh, with Emma Woodhouse. But in this case, we have Mrs. Clay is her kind of designs on Sir Walter. And we're going to see how important that is later, especially when we introduce Mr. Elliot. So in chapter one, we were, it was mentioned that there was, the heir presumptive of Kenneth Hall is William Walter Elliot Esquire. And throughout the rest of the novel, we just refer to him as Mr. Elliot. Now, the heir presumptive meant that unless Sir Walter had a, a son, a male heir, the next in line in the family tree, the next male who could inherit the estate and the title of baronet would be Mr. Elliot. Now, his name, his, the suffix on his name is interesting, the Esquire, because it was basically a term that meant, I don't have an official rank, but I'm really cool and I deserve one. And so I'm going to call myself Esquire. And, you know, it, it technically means a rank of unknown status. It's kind of like Ms., right? You're not saying you're Mrs., you're not saying you're Miss. You just don't want to say. Its meaning today is a little bit different, I guess. But back then, this is what it meant. But the only people who used Esquire were people who didn't have a rank. So it wasn't like a big secret. Like if you were Esquire, like it's not like, oh, I wonder if he's secretly a duke. No, you were an unranked landed gentry person. And so you were probably a private gentleman 
but of no uh, rank in the aristocracy. All right, so that about wraps up what we're going to talk about today for Chapter 2. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to help support the show, please head over to leefalencom slash mycousinjane, sign up for our newsletter, or click on the little donate button. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Thank you.